Right, today's reading is Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 49, and it's page 1034 in your Bibles. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead a bleed the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will, be then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick pick figs from the thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up for in his own heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in his own heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears the, my words, and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug deep down and laid the foundations on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it, because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck the house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great. Thank you, Colin. Well, do keep that passage open if you've got a Bible in front of you. That would really help me as we uh, work through it together. Could I have my welcome? I'm John. I'm the pastor here. If you're visiting, it's a joy to have you with us. And we've been uh, working our way through Luke's Gospel. We missed out the Christmas passages because we're going to come back to them. And we've arrived uh, in the second half of the Sermon on the Plain. But let's just pray, shall we, that God himself would be our teacher this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for that reminder this morning that your angels are warriors of light, that they're sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Lord, thank you that your word tells us that we gather this morning, not just together, but with heavenly reality with the angels, with the spirits of righteous people made perfect with your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his fearsome holiness. Lord, we thank you that we can gather only by what Jesus has done, only by his grace and mercy towards us. So, Lord, please, as you are kind and gentle towards us, please speak to us. Speak to each and every heart this morning, Lord. Please help me. In my sin and weakness, help us all, Lord, in our sin 
and weakness, that we might see more clearly your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and obey him. Amen. Well, hypocrisy in the church is something rightly condemned and abhorred, isn't it? Christians claiming to be one thing and actually being another. Maybe it's one of the things that's put you off, church. One of the things that you've encountered in your life which means that you think, well, I'm, I'm, I'm never going to get involved in church if that's what they're like. There are so many examples of hypocrisy in the church, aren't there? I don't need to rehearse them. So for Christians here this morning, how will you, how will I, avoid hypocrisy? What does Jesus teach to deal with it? And if you've been put off Christianity or you don't want to become a Christian because you're worried about being a hypocrite further down the line, well, what will Jesus do for you to stop you from becoming a hypocrite? Jesus' teaching against hypocrisy was, was a regular aspect of his teaching. If you read any of the Gospels, his run-ins were with people who he described as hypocrites. And here in the Sermon on the Plain, he has taught his disciples to be willing to be poor and hungry and rejected and weeping because that is the Christian's lot, but that's a blessing. It's a joy to be part of his spiritual kingdom rather than a political kingdom, as we were thinking about last week. But here in this part of the Sermon on the Plain, we see Jesus' spiritual diagnostic against hypocrisy. It is an hypocrisy test, if you like. Do you remember the days of COVID tests? Perhaps some of you still have to do them in your work. Uh, do, you do you remember the, the discomfort? You know, getting that thing that you swab the back of your throat and then up your nose all the other way round if you're being unhygienic. I'm not sure which way round is hygienic. I don't think either way is hygienic. Anyway, you know that. It was sort of uncomfortable, wasn't it? And then you'd put it in that little tiny piece of fluid that you put into the little pot and there was never enough so that when you came to tip it out, it's kind of like... Is that going to do anything? I'll have to do another one because there's not enough fluid left. And then you put it on the little sort of plastic tray and it, you, you watch it go by capillary action. It passes the control and then you're looking for the colour. You want to see, is there colour there? Are you going to test positive? Well, I think our aim this morning is to do a hypocrisy test, which I'm sad to say we're all going to fail. I'm afraid. But at least that will tell us what we've got and how to deal with it. It might be a bit uncomfortable, but in the long run, it's going to be helpful for us. You see, the hypocrisy test that Jesus gave his first disciples is one that we all need to hear, whether we're Christians or not. And fundamental to avoiding hypocrisy, according to Jesus, is a belief, a sure conviction that we will all be judged. We will all face Jesus Christ on Judgment Day. That, that is true, whatever we believe. It's at the beginning of this section, it's at the end of this section. Look with me to check that I'm not making it up, that it is what Jesus teaches. Do not judge, 
verse 37, and you will not be judged. There's an assumption we will all be judged. The motivation not to judge is so that we won't be. Or look at the end of the section. Jesus tells a story that we will look at, a parable of people building their lives on something solid. Verse 49, but the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. He's not talking about houses. He's not giving architectural advice. He's giving us a picture of the person who builds their life on something other than putting Jesus' words into practice. Their destruction will be complete. Your destruction, my destruction will be complete if we fail to put into practice what Jesus teaches here. And as we've seen, this is Luke's eyewitness record of what Jesus actually said and did. So, four diagnostic tests to find out this morning if we are prone to hypocrisy. One, do not judge or condemn, but forgive and give. Two, look at your own sin before you look at the sin of others. Three, Listen to words people say, including your own, to see the heart. Four, do not merely listen to the teaching of the Lord. Do it. So just like a COVID test, here's four sections of Jesus' hypocrisy test. First, do not judge or condemn, but forgive and give. Verse 37 again. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given you. Now, the astute amongst us might think, well, isn't this the wrong way round? I mean, Paul, the apostle, teaches Christians in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Why? Just as in Christ, the Lord forgave you. So Paul puts it that way around. Forgive because you have been forgiven. Whereas Jesus says here, forgive and you will be forgiven. Isn't this a contradiction? Well, no, as we'll see. Is Jesus saying, try really hard not to judge? and that will mean you won't be judged. Or try really hard not to condemn people, and and you won't be condemned. No. So why does he put these things around? One of the principles of biblical interpretation is that you don't interpret one passage so that it's in in conflict with another. It's it's expressed in the articles of the uh, Church of England, or the uh, 39 Articles. Jesus puts things the other way around. Why? Well, We could go into this in a lot more detail, but just briefly, Paul speaks from the perspective of the root, where things start. Jesus speaks from the perspective of the practical outworking of that. For those of you who remember our series in Romans, the the cart and the horse. Paul talks from the perspective of the cart, Jesus from the horse. They're different perspectives, 
We might say one is more Hebrew and the other is more Greek. So when Jesus teaches us to pray, he says, forgive us our sins. Why? How? As we forgive those who sin against us. That's the fruit. If we are forgiving people, it shows that we have been forgiven. If we are giving people, it shows that we've received the grace of God. If we are not judgmental people, it shows that we have understood that God's judgment, which we deserve, has passed from us. But Jesus looks at the fruit, Paul at the root. Ask me more about that later. See, how do we know that this is what Jesus is doing? Well, Luke has already told us, if you just flick back with me to chapter 5, why Jesus has come. The words of Jesus were not, come and try harder. Try harder to be forgiving and, con- and not condemning and to be generous. Oh, what happened there? Sorry. Chapter 5, verses 31 and 32. Jesus was utterly clear. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, those who are ill. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus came for people who can't forgive as they know they ought, who who can't avoid condemning people as they know they do, who can't be as generous as they know they ought to be. Wonderfully, Jesus came for people like you and me, who are hypocrites, whose lives don't match our aspirations. You see, Jesus is not saying that we have to get our act together in order to be forgiven. Rather, he is giving us a spiritual diagnostic test so that we go to him for healing, for forgiveness, for God's grace. So here's the diagnostic. Do you judge other people? Just think about that for a moment. Do I judge other people? It's not something I'm excluding myself from. Do we condemn other people? Are there some people we simply have no time of day for? We have written them off. Well, then maybe we are yet to see clearly the judgment of God we deserve against our own sin. And... Maybe we need to see more clearly how we have escaped the judgment, the righteous, holy fury of God at, yes, your and my sin, were it not to be the case that we've trusted in Jesus. It is only Jesus who has saved us from the judgment of God that we deserve. It is only his righteousness that stands in the way of God's fury against us. We are no better in terms of a category than anyone else in the world. The sin that we see played out in other people's lives is in each and every one of our hearts, is it not? Just waits for the opportunity, which, praise God, we haven't come across yet. Do you remember the parable of the unmerciful servant? Servant owes millions of pounds to his king, so he ends up being thrown into prison, and he begs his king for mercy, and he's forgiven all his debts. And then he's set free and he walks out and he sees a friend who owes him a few pennies. And he gets his friend and his family thrown into prison until they can pay the debt. And when the king finds out about it, he gasps him back into prison until he pays the last penny. It's not possible to really have understood that we have been forgiven Masses and masses of debts because we can only see we can see our own hearts 
and not be forgiving. It's not possible to think I have escaped the just condemnation of God and be condemning of other people. The two go hand in hand. So do we refuse to forgive other people? Now, I'm not saying that do we keep struggling to forgive others, knowing that we should forgive them? Of course, that's often our experience, isn't it? That we, we realize that we should forgive more than we do. No, what Jesus is diagnosing here is a refusal to forgive. A delight in judging and condemning others. That can't go hand in hand with being forgiven and not being condemned and not being judged by God. If we are perpetually condemning and judging and pointing to all the hypocrites out there or in the church, be warned. We could be spiritually sick, suffering from the spiritual sickness of hypocrisy. And the same is true of the gift of salvation. Look with me at verse 38 of chapter 6. So back to chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. This is a generous measure of grain that Jesus is describing and saying God will be generous in his giving to you. If you give, is, is it that way round? Is Jesus saying, look, if you give and give and give and give, then maybe God will be generous to you. Now, he's looking at the fruit, practically speaking, in people's lives if they've understood God's gift to them. So that's our first diagnostic test. Do not judge or condemn, but forgive and give. Secondly, look at your own sin before you look at others. Verse 39, Jesus says, Can the blind lead the blind? Obviously not. Blind people cannot lead other blind people they're just both going to fall into a pit. I mean, that's obvious, isn't it? But then Jesus says uh, in the next verse, oh, sorry, on the wrong page, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. It's part of the same idea that verse 39 to 42 encapsulates. We will be like the people we follow. In the ancient world, a student would live with their teacher, they would spend all their time with them as they learnt the philosophy or whatever it was. The student will be like the teacher. So if the teacher is blind, the student will be blind. See, spiritual blindness is not being aware of one's own sin. It's thinking that the main problem in the world is out there rather than in here. I'm sure you've all heard of the, um, I think it was the Times competition uh, uh, letters uh, that were encouraged. It was last century now. Um, you know, what is the problem with the world? That was 
the, the letter in response that was requested from the Times. You know, what is the problem with the world? And the person who won it was a man called G.K. Chesterton. I don't know if you've heard of G.K. Chesterton. He's a, a very famous author. And his letter went like this. Dear sir, madam, I am, yours sincerely, G.K. Chesterton. That's the problem with the world. It's not out there. It's in here. Am I off? Am I, have I stopped? You see, there can be an awful lot of tut-tutting, can't there? People can look down their noses at other people. Uh, of course, we look down our noses at, at murderers and rapists and at those who take drugs and shoplift and at those who plagiarize or drop out or those who push into queues. Do you find yourself doing that? Or, or cutting in? drive badly. We can almost make a habit of running other people down, can we not? It, it can sneak into our lives. They're sinful. They break the rules. And Jesus is saying, no, no, that's, that's spiritual sickness to start thinking and talking like that. Verse 41, he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? I said it was going to be uncomfortable, didn't I? It, this is not comfortable, but remember what it is. It's a spiritual diagnostic that attacks our own hypocrisy, my hypocrisy, your hypocrisy. We, we've all had the experience, haven't we, of, of getting something in our eye. I don't know, it might be an eyelash, or it might be a metal splinter. Whatever it is, it totally changes our vision, does it not? <laughs> if, if you have a, a little speck of sawdust in your eye, you've been doing some woodwork, and it, it's really quite painful. And there's no point trying to see anything, because your eye is just watering, and you can't see anything. And Jesus is saying... If you think that you can see other people's sin when you haven't really taken attention to your own sin, you're, you're kidding yourself. Take the speck out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother or sister's eye. See, this is where he says, you hypocrite. If we think that we can spot other people's sin more accurate than we can spot our own sin, we have slipped into hypocrisy. Because we can't see other people's hearts, can we? And yet we know what's going on in our own hearts. We know what's coming out of our own hearts. And it twists our vision. We are not seeing clearly until we know that the biggest problem in our lives is not other people's sin, but our own. See, when we become Christians, our sin is dealt with, isn't it? Jesus deals with the guilt of our sin by taking the punishment for it on the cross. Isn't that amazing that he would do that for us? He gives us the Holy Spirit to move into our lives and start his renovation project until it will one day be perfectly finished. We will be like Jesus perfectly one day. That's unbelievable, isn't it? But God has promised but this means that as we grow in godliness, as we deal with our sin, with it, when it's dealt with in our lives, both by us trusting in Jesus and us growing in Jesus, so we become more useful to God. We can't take sin out of other people's lives until we've 
started to deal with it in our own lives by trusting in Jesus. How can we possibly judge other people until we started God's way of dealing with sin in our own lives? If we haven't started that, we're deeply ill with hypocrisy, are we not? Because we haven't accepted God's solution to our own sin, which is, this, which is the sin we can see most clearly. But it's a sin that twists our vision most completely, just like a speck in the eye. And we think that we can take the planks out of other people's. No, other way around, isn't it? So look at your own sin before you look at others. Thirdly, listen to words to see the heart. See, our culture thinks that we try and discern our feelings, discern what our hearts are like. Go down deep into your heart and see what you feel, and that's the true you. No, says Jesus. You can tell what's in people's hearts by listening to what they say. Verse 43, no good tree bears bad fruit, and nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or grapes from briars, sorry, figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. Here's the principle that Jesus is using. He's interested in the fruit. And he's saying, good tree, good fruit. Bad tree, bad fruit. What is the tree and what is the fruit? Well, he then explains the parable, a good man brings good things out of the evil, uh, out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I've been trying to teach my children how to identify trees for, for most of their lives, and I've failed dismally. It doesn't... Um, Ask Mim. I will, you know, we'll go for a walk. I say, what tree is that? Uh, ash. Oh, no, 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 it's oak. It's like you can say, look, you can see the palmate leaves and all that. Or, or what's this? It, it's a, it's a rowan. No, it's a, it's a beech tree. No, no, I failed dismally. You can identify the tree by the leaves or the fruit. What we try and do this kind of thing at Roots and Shoots. Uh, Jesus says that people are like trees, and you can identify what they are like by what comes out of their mouths, because of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out of your mouth? What words come out of, your, what words come out of my mouth? And, and of course, we can say things that cover over what we're really like. We can be polite, we can be kind. I think what Jesus is saying here is, when we're relaxed, with the people who accept us, the nearest and dearest to us, when the mask slips, what do we go on and on and on about? Reveals our hearts. Now, this is where we may need the help of others. Uh, if we're married here uh, this morning, your spouse may be very helpful in letting you know what you are constantly going on and on and on about. And they may push back. Take it seriously. Listen. Because what the mouth speaks of shows what's in your heart. Maybe we're, we're single here. 
and we've got some close friends. It may be good that they gently tell you what kinds of speech is really quite annoying. It's testing their patience. Because what you talk about reveals what's going on in your heart. So take it seriously. Maybe in the weeks ahead, ask one of your closer friends here at church, say, look, do I go on about anything? Take it seriously. Don't just bristle when they challenge you. We want to be a church community here, don't we, that speak the truth in love to one another because that's one of the ways that we avoid hypocrisy. One of the key ways. But Jesus is saying, if we want to know what is going on in our heart, listen to yourself. If you want to know what's going on in other people's hearts, listen to what they say. Now, Jesus is not saying that what comes out of our mouths is to be perfect, is he? Christians still sin. But if we're Christians here this morning, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We have a root, God himself living in us, that is to grow in us so that we speak words which are transformative of ourselves to ourselves and of other people to other people. We can pray to our Heavenly Father, crying out, Abba, Father, by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to express love, love for Jesus in our speech. We've just been singing wonderful words about Jesus. We can sing those from the heart, can we not, because of the Holy Spirit at work within us as we have trusted in Jesus. Words full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. These are the fruit of the Spirit at work in us. It's not beyond us. So what if we find ourselves speaking words that are full of gossip and running other people down? And slandering other people. Not, not just the odd slip, but bitterness overflowing into our speech. Well, the Spirit will convict us of our words because Jesus said that every word whispered in secret will be brought to light on the day of judgment. We don't want to beat ourselves up, but we want to think, oh, am I slipping into being a hypocrite here? Are my words showing something about my heart which is not who I am? Because I have trusted in Jesus. He's my Lord. So how are we doing on the, the spiritual diagnostic? Is, is, every, is anybody here doing fine? And they're just saying, look, I'm not a hypocrite. I, I, I don't ever judge or condemn other people. I never talk about or think about other people's sin rather than my own. What comes in my mouth is perfect. It's never slight. Of course not. Jesus is not giving us this spiritual diagnostic to condemn us, but so that we go to him for healing and forgiveness. And so if the test that we've done this morning has revealed, you know, there's that little, little line that's showing hypocrite, what are we supposed to do? Well, the answer is, not nothing. No, not nothing. We're not just to listen to the teaching of Jesus as we are this morning and then go do nothing. Why? Final part of the test. Uh, and the final point. Don't just listen, in, listen to the teaching of the Lord. Do it. Don't just listen to the teaching of the Lord. Do it. It seems that we've had so many images from around the world uh, and here in the last few days about flooding. 
doesn't it? Storms, you know, there seems to be a new storm every week coming through and more flooding and more rain and washing houses away. And then do you remember those images of that horrific flood in Libya, the, the dams breaking and just washing houses away? That's the image Jesus uses of the Day of Judgment. How to avoid hypocrisy? Know that that day is coming and prepare for it. Verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Many of us here would call Jesus Lord. We are Christians. He is our Lord, is he not? He's my Lord. He's your Lord. That means we do what he says. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. If we go out of here and put into practice what Jesus teaches us, we will be built on a rock that will not be shaken by the day of judgment. He's not saying, hear and obey, and that is the way you pass through the day of judgment, by good works. No. He's saying, as you hear this hypocrisy test and realize that you are spiritually sick, you need me. You need my righteousness to clothe you on the day of judgment. You need to build your life on me. I am the only rock that you can build your life on. But don't kid yourself that just hearing the words about following Jesus is what gets you through that day. It's listening and doing, putting them into practice. As Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I've not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance, will we come back to Jesus if we've drifted from him and obey him? Will we maybe obey his teaching, go from here and think, well, how can I actually follow Jesus for real, practically, day in, day out? Because that's the only thing which will make us safe on that day, trusting in Jesus from day to day, following him from day to day. Uh, An image came to my mind as I was preparing as we sort of close. Um, I I think it was a sort of a poster. It's the image of a a massive wave breaking around a lighthouse. Does anyone remember that? Or was it just me, just my imagination? You know, this lighthouse, and there's a little door at the bottom of the lighthouse, I think. Maybe I'm just making that up. I I don't know. Somebody can find the image, share it on on the WhatsApp group. The, The wave of God's judgment is coming for each and every one of us. If you don't think that's true, you're going to find out too late. We need to grapple with us living in a a universe of justice. We all know deep down that we live in a universe of justice. We're so angry when injustice happens. No, God is going to come and judge through the man he has appointed, Jesus Christ. How are you going to be safe on that day? Being in the lighthouse, being on the rock. The only place that can keep us safe. We can't face it ourselves. See, Jesus alone could take the flood of God's judgment against us. Jesus alone was plunged into God's wrath, disorientated on the cross, so that we can be firm and safe on that day. And we need to keep coming back to that. Because if we don't keep coming back to that, you know what we'll be? Hypocrites. 
Whether we claim to be Christians or not, that's what we will be. So let's go to Jesus Christ afresh in repentance and trust. Or, or maybe for the first time, do talk, me, talk with me afterwards if, if you realize that you need to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord for the first time. But what is the work he does in us? He makes us forgiving people. He makes us generous people. He makes us people deeply aware of our own sin. It's a much bigger problem to us than other people's. Then, and only then, will we not be hypocrites. Uh, we will be those who say, Lord, Lord, and do what he says. Do what he teaches. So let's just pray, shall we, that we would be those. Let's just pray as we finish. Lord, we thank you so much that you don't want us to be hypocrites. Thank you that in your teaching you make it very clear to us what it means to be a hypocrite. Lord, please forgive us. Please forgive us for our hypocrisy that we so easily slip into. And please, as our great physician, would you come and heal us? We come back to you, we turn to you, we repent, Lord, of our hypocrisy and we pray that you would change our hearts, keep us constantly acknowledging our sin to you, avoiding condemning others, being generous people, and doing what you say. Amen.